Welcome to Conflict and Resolution, a podcast about getting better conflict resolution results. I'm your host, Tammy Lensky, a professional mediator, coach, conflict resolution author, and teacher. The following is a bit of a departure from my usual weekly podcast. The idea for the conversation you're about to hear had its spark in a blog post I wrote about the value of shared experience for increasing empathy in conflict situations. After I published that post, New Zealand Human Rights Commission mediator Hilary Unwin wrote me about a Maori tradition called Faka Fanona Tanga, which is a process for establishing relationships. Faka Fanona Tanga is a way for Maori to discover connections between themselves and the people they're talking to. Hillary told me that she uses it in some of her mediation work to establish a mood of trust and openness at the start of the mediation. So I was naturally intrigued and wanted to know more. Also joining this conversation is Pereri Hathaway, a Maori senior administrator with the Human Rights Commission. Pereri's work centers on helping the commission work with indigenous peoples in New Zealand and finding ways to provide support for indigenous peoples there and around the world. The conversation begins with Hillary and Pereri introducing themselves and giving you a first glimpse of the Whakafanana Tanga process. I hope you'll enjoy our exploration of identity, connection, trust, family, and our place in the world. My name's Hilary Unwin and I am from the South Island of New Zealand. Um, it's two islands in New Zealand, North Island, South Island. I'm from a small place down the south and um, I was a lawyer, I call myself a, bit of a reformed lawyer now and I work as a mediator within the Human Rights Commission and I've been here for about nine years, just living and working in Wellington now. Hi Tammy, uh, tēnā koe, tēnā koutou, uh, ko matanui te maunga ko te o te awa, ko matapau te moana, ko mātātu o te waka, ko ngāti wai te iwi, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Um, hi, Tammy. Thank you for the introduction. Um, what I've just done is, is spoken about where I come from um, in a traditional Māori sense, my connections to the land here in New Zealand. Um, I was brought up in, a, in the North Island at a place called Matapori Bay, uh, which is a little coastal community, and I've worked here at the Commission for the last nine months. Um, my role here is to help the Commission um, work with Indigenous peoples in New Zealand and um, find ways to, to make sure that we can we can provide more specific support for Indigenous peoples just uh, in New Zealand but also ar around the world. And Pereira, can you pronounce the name of this tradition? And I'm going to try to repeat it and say it somewhat properly. Um, yeah, what, what you're referring to is a process which we call whakawhanaungatanga, and it's based on a, a concept of whānau. Um, whānau basically means family. So what we do is, um, and what, what we've just done now is a process of whakawhanaungatanga, which is um, making connections to family, making connections to places, um, making connections to communities and groups and trying to find, um, trying to find and build a relationship there with the people that, that you're talking to. And we do that in different ways. We do that through our family connections, um, for example, you might go out and talk to someone and find out that they play the same sport as you. Um, that's a connection that you've made. So this is what 
um, the conversation today will we'll focus on. So if I had just met you, if someone, if Hillary had, if we were in person and Hillary had said, Tammy, meet Perry, Perry, meet Tammy, um, what would it, what would the, it, this sound like in action? What would you well, be saying first, to me? Well, first off, when people meet for the first time, there is a sense of nervousness and anxiousness um, because you don't know who the person is and, and you know, people are a little bit guarded before they start opening up. They want to know more about whether this person is going to be a, a, a good person, a kind person, whether they've got a hidden agenda. Those are some of the things that we experience. So whakawhanaungatanga is, um, is about finding a connection, um, making people feel relaxed, um, building trust. Um, and if you can connect with someone on or relate to someone in a certain way, it gives them a sense of ease. They have something in common with you and... Um, that, that, that's what we're trying to do is build relationships and, and connect with people. So so how do you actually... Go ahead, Hilary. Oh, when we were discussing this earlier, um, Kareli was saying it's something that happens in most cultures, but in Māori culture is actually a, a name for it and a, a, a distinct kind of concept, I suppose, or understanding around what it is. And whereas it happens potentially on a more kind of intuitive basis in other cultures, this is something that's actually, and I think because it's named and because it's a concept, it's really valued. So mm. it's seen as really, really important part of the process of getting to know people. No, oh, I think you're right, Hilary. It's about naming it and valuing it and because um, it's, you know, in this context we've identified it as, as a process. It's actually just part of, of, of how we live and part of our, our cultural makeup, not only for Māori, but as Hilary said, across many other cultures. Um, it also allows us as an as a Indigenous group to um, find the connections and to state the connections that we have to different geographical areas and features as well. Mm. Um, so we have strong relationships with the land. Um, and if we can, for example, when I started, I spoke about my connection to my mountain, my river, um, mm. the ocean that I live by, um, people from that area automatic, can automatically um, realise where I come from. Um, and if you look at, you know, more mainstream, when you introduce yourself, the first thing that you do is say, you know, my name is so-and-so and I come from this place. Mm. Um, we're right. doing the same thing, um, but we've just made it more uh, formal and ensured that when we do um, bring people together, um, everyone understands that the first thing you do was make those connections. Mm. And I think so, so you were, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm thinking, so I was just down in North Carolina and um, I was introduced to somebody and they said, oh, my, you know, my aunt lives in New Hampshire. And so we do it mm. very, very informally like that here in the U.S. Mm. But it does sound like mm. it's a yeah. little more of a formal given start to a conversation or a meeting or a gathering um, in Maori tradition. Is that right? Um, it is. Uh, we, we have new staff members that start at the commission, and the first thing we do is, is set up a formal welcome for them. Um, so when they start, they come in and they get to meet um, all of the staff. So all of the staff go into the, the main meeting room and the commission. We bring the new staff member in. Um, one of us will stand up and introduce you know, everyone in the room as a group, and then we'll go through the process of whakawhanaungatanga, 
which for our situation means everyone stands up one by one, tells them what they do, where they come from, um, until everyone has, has finished that, and then the new person would also do the same. When you're in a, a Māori environment, um, we just take that a little bit further by extending that not only to who we are, but who our social connections are, who our extended family, um, the connections we have to the land, to the rivers that we that we live near, um, mm-hmm. and we kind of just make that a lot broader. Um, mm-hmm. And it just shows at a systemic view uh, level, sorry, um, how we are related to not only the people that, that we live with and work with, but also the geography, the features of the land, um, and so forth. Ferrari, as it, it, I don't have a sense of this for New Zealand as much as I obviously do for the United States, but I'm thinking about what a mobile society the United States has become, generations not living on the land of the generations before them. Of course, there still mm. are people who do, but I'm wondering, has there been any impact on uh, generations moving away from traditional lands? Uh, has there been any impact on this kind of process as a result? It, it has, um, and as I said, whakawhanaungatanga is based on whānau, and whānau is family. So um, mm-hmm. what's really important for Māori is knowing your, what we call whakapapa, or our ancestral connections or our genealogy. Um, and we measure time through generations. That's one concept which is slightly different, is that you know, we don't traditionally um, view time as being a date or a year. Um, how we do that is through... 10 generations or 15 generations or 26 generations back. Those are our time markers. Um, therefore, it's really important to understand your ancestral connections um, because that's where you come from. So when people leave and go to the United States or, or, or go overseas, um, you know, as long as they know that, they can always relate back to that. And um, the, the, the use of technology so easy it makes our world a lot smaller that when we have things like um, someone might pass away and we have a funeral or what we call a tangihanga um, again people can use social media Skype um, mm. and continue those processes through those forums and channels um, and try and make the connection so for us it, it, yeah, it doesn't mean you have to be in the room um, but it, what is important is knowing how you connect to people um, your relationship with people, not just in the current time frame, but also you know going back five, ten, fifteen generations. That's 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 some of the uh, processes that that we find really important. Mm. You know, as I'm listening, I'm feeling. Oh, I'm, I'm. Go ahead, Hillary. No, no, you carry on. Well, I was going to say, as I was listening to that, I was feeling sad in some ways for. Um, my own culture, my own family, you know, coming, I'm, I'm the child of immigrants, and, mm. um, and well, my mother was born here but conceived there, um, but her family and my, my father was born in, in Europe and came here as a child, and they didn't really have any continued connection with their families, and I, I don't think that's an unusual immigrant story. And... You know, it wasn't really until well into my adulthood when my sister and I went back to Scotland to, to find, track down and meet uh, people on my mother's side of the family. Uh, and so I'm, you know, I think about um, the richness that um, 
some immigrant families lose um, in coming to the United States and going elsewhere, I'm sure, too. And I know there are certainly probably plenty of immigrant families who come and, and retain that rich uh, tradition and that rich background and that rich history of knowing who their ancestors are. But I remember when I met my cousins in Scotland, they said, you know, we didn't respond to your letters right away because we weren't sure it wasn't a scam. And I said, what do you mean a scam? And they said, well, everyone in the United States is looking for their Scottish ancestors, and, a, and some of it's fake. And he said, what is it with you people that you are so desperate to find your ancestors? <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, because we don't know who they are, you know. And, and now I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, oh, you know, there is something so, that's so lost in that. And I'm, I'm really moved and, by what you're describing. And that, that's, that's not, not unique. Māori, um, Māori in New Zealand, uh, we have a term for, for Māori in New Zealand and it's called tangata whenua, which means tangata is people. And whenua means land, so we describe tangata whenua as, as people of the land, um, mm. and that's how we view or describe Māori in New Zealand. Um, but we arrived here probably in New Zealand between anywhere between 1,000 and 1,200 years ago um, on seven waka or seven um, traditional um, canoes um, from the Pacific, and when you talk uh, about the history of, of Māori arrival in New Zealand, um, everyone who connects as being Māori in New Zealand has a, has a trace or ancestral connection back to one of those seven canoes. Mm. Um, and a lot of our stories and history is based around the arrival of those seven canoes and where they landed and where they settled and where they moved. Um, so that's, again, you know, it shows that we have a connection that goes back that far and it's really important for us to know um, who you are and what canoe you've, you've arrived from, what the relationship is um, and the stories go with it so it's not just about um, connection, it's all about history and understanding where you're from, how you arrived in this country um, and so on and so on. That's you know very similar to what you just described about you know immigrating into a new country. Well, we did that. We, we just did that, you know, a thousand years ago. Um, the same thing's happening today. Um, and if you can maintain those connections and maintain that history, um, then you start to, I think, have more pride um, in terms of knowing who you are and that, that sense of cultural identity mm. and culture, not in the of indigenous culture, but that can be applied across, you know, different forms of culture. Um, whether it's state-based, country-based, or, or organization-based. Or family-based, yeah. or regional-based. Family yeah. Based. yeah. Hmm. So, Hillary, you had said to me in an email that, I'm going to hope I can pronounce this correctly, that Faka Fanon Natanga uh, has been used in mediation sessions to help establish mm -hmm. a mood of trust and openness. And I would love to mm -hmm. hear a little bit about how that's done and what you noticed. Sure, about and... Absolutely, and it's not something that I actually name as part of the process. Um, I don't say to people, now we're going to start the Whaka Whanaungatanga, but I do ask people around the room when they first arrive to maybe talk, talk a little bit about themselves and where they're from. And and I think it's just one of those things, as Pity is saying, that it's really once you start to see how this works or how important it is for people that actually... It, it does form part of your identity, the sort of where you 
weren't born, say, or where your family was from. So I think that's kind of, it makes feel, people feel quite comfortable. It's easy to answer that question. It's not giving too much away. Um, and so, for example, I said I was from the South Island and from a place, I'm from a place called Timaru. So for anyone else, in that room who has a connection to the South Island or um, you know knows a little bit about or someone from Timaru because Timaru is quite a small sort of town there is likely to be quite a strong connection with that person straight away and so to me without necessarily naming it as such it's, it's a way of as Peter was talking about building rapport between people starting those connections seeing people as a whole outside of this conflict, which is something that you've mm. sort of talked about too, mm-hmm. is recognising there is a lot more to this person and, and then there's maybe connections with this person that I would like to maybe discuss more outside of this conflict too. And it's even as into your whānau, as Peter um, was saying, whether, you know, children, relationships with, you know, if you have children. So again, that's another way of connecting with people, being a parents, for example. So to me, it's just part of that beginning process of establishing a bit more trust and 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 safety within um, that that mediation environment. And I guess, as you know, anything that you can do to kind of get people to be feeling a bit, little bit more relaxed and open is going to contribute to the the conversations that they're going to have after that where things could be a lot more heated, difficult and emotional. Um, a little bit of softening or you know, a foundation for that is going to assist so that it doesn't break apart so so strongly. Well, and as you said too, you know, I'm I'm very intrigued always by um, things that help people uh, multi-dimensionalize each other when they're in conflict. Because as you said, mm. when we're in conflict, we tend to sort of unidimensionalize someone. We tend to look at them through a very specific lens, the lens of the conflict and everything that entails, and to mm. um, ignore uh, the richness of everything else that they are also in addition to yeah. our sparring partner. And um, mm. I, so this process of placing yourself, your, your ancestry and your uh, geographic location and anything else seems like a, a, just a wonderful way to, as I said, bring a sort of a richer tapestry of person back into the room. Mm. And I think that's the thing is that through having some exposure to Māori culture and being involved in some of these um, processes is just recognising just how important that is and that's that's been a really kind of valuable thing for me is being able to see, well, it does... It's it's a big as I, as I was saying a big part of people's identity. One of the the um, exercises that we got to do as part of sort of recognising our own whakapapa or our own ancestry as Pakeha New Zealanders was to look at our ancestry and that which was hugely valuable and important. And as you say, it's something that we've kind of lost sight of, but recognising that we have our own stories and. Um, that they go back to lots of different countries generally and diff- people from different countries getting together 
um, on their way to New Zealand or um, when they get to New Zealand and then obviously having having children and generations of children here but that that was a really fascinating journey for all of us and kind of seeing for our own lives how um, how much richer it kind of it is for us and also establishing our own real sense of identity because I think um, you know that that the conversation between Māori and Pākehā can sometimes feel like we're sort of a misplaced bunch of people here mm. as opposed to actually we have our own rich cultural history too but we don't sort of recognise it in the same way and mm-hmm. um, so that's yeah been a big part of that conversation. New Zealand's one of the most diverse uh, multicultural societies in the world Tammy and um, and I think um, as one of our commissioners said we're the most um, racial, racially harmonious ones as well um, but I want to make a comment about um, patriotism and America, the United States would probably be one of the most patriotic countries in the world. Um, appears to be, anyway. <laughs> appears, to, appears to be, from my point of view. Yeah. Um, and I'm using that in the context of, um, as a Māori person, um, identity is important. I noted back around the, the connection back to our traditional um, arrival here in New Zealand. Um, and every sub-tribe or tribe in New Zealand of Māori people are very unique in their own right. So again, it's important to, to be able to identify what tribe you come from because they are very different. It's like comparing um, apples with oranges. Um, so from where I come from, a lot of our stories are about the water and the ocean because that's where we, we lived. We lived on the coast. We used the ocean as a resource, whereas some tribes are inland and they have stories around um, lakes and mountains and forests um, and their own traditional stories come through. So when you identify who you are and where you come from, you have a sense of pride, that patriotic pride that, that, that starts to make you feel good about who you are. Um, and you want to stand up and represent that and you want to kind of wave your own flag. Um, and that's another reason why Whakawhanangatanga is about you know letting people share that with others. Who are you? you know, where do you come mm. from? What's what's good important. about where, you know, what's important to you as a tribe, mm. as a people? Mm. Um, what makes you feel proud? Um, so that's basic respect. Um, if you can use that as a foundation for building a relationship, whether you're in mediation or whether you're out having dinner and you come across a couple of friends and they've got friends and you're introduced to them, it's it's showing that you're you're investing time in them, giving them the time to um to showcase what they're about, and um, any relationship has to have a strong foundation. And I think Fakapanangatanga is about setting that foundation so you can build upon it. Um, whether it's mediation or whether it's something else. As, as you were talking, Pere, I was thinking about uh, my parents' generation, and uh, my father came here in the uh, huge wave of immigrants in the early part of the last century, and at a time when the concept of a melting pot was sort of the predominant um, way of thinking about being an immigrant in this country, and it was blending in. Uh, fitting in with everybody. And, you know, my father, he, he spoke German fluently because it was his native tongue, but when I studied German in college, he would never speak to me in German. He would answer me in English, so it wasn't like he didn't know what I was saying, but he wouldn't speak back. And uh, for him, his identity was um, as an American. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, he, and, and I think, so there, in, in terms of patriotism and um, how people think of themselves, I think generationally that has shifted some. Um, in, in more recent generations, uh, the individual and what they brought here when they came um, it has become more celebrated um, than it, I think, maybe was at the time my father came. And it probably has some impact on the fact that he came from Germany and was not very proud of that. And that probably had mm-hmm. um, was some of the reason for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for the way he handled it. But, um, yeah, so we're, we're, we're slowly uh, not just finding our roots but um, celebrating them as our ancestral roots in addition to our um, whatever we believe about the, the country writ large, I guess you might say. So, yeah. I, Hillary, when you were talking about the use of Faka Fanona Tanga in, or as a way to start mediations or, or as a way to you know, introduce people to each other at the start, is this um, a well enough understood and, and participated in process in New Zealand that no one would be surprised by that, that it, 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 it's done so frequently in so many places that it's just a common tradition? Uh, interesting question. I had to say in a general sense because not everybody has had the same exposure to Māori culture, but um, whether that's something that's permeated throughout the whole of the New Zealand culture, I, I'm not really sure. It may be. But, yeah, maybe you can ask well, it's hard to say, really. I think, it, I mean, I've, I've seen, like, participatory processes being described which which mirrors the process of whakawhanangatanga. It's about mm. getting people included and making them feel um, valued. But I think back around the difference between, and I use mediation as an example, a traditional Māori meeting or mediation would start with, um, particularly when you're meeting for the first time, you may arrive at the venue, you'd go in, you'd go through your whakawhanangatanga um, process, which may take an hour, um, and then you'd go and um, share a, a meal or a lunch or a morning tea, and then you'd talk and you get to know each other. Um, that may take two to three hours before we actually start talking about the reason why, mm. why we're there. Mm. So the balance between how much time you invest in that particular aspect is very different. Mm. Um, mm. And when I go to things with, with, with Māori tribes here in New Zealand or with iwi, um, I need to make it very clear that don't expect to talk about business um, when we arrive. Uh, the first meeting, we may not actually talk about any business-related issues at all. The first meeting, which may be a two- to three-hour um, session, will probably just be about getting to know who you are. Right. Um, People see that as being, you know, well, why are we going? It's kind of a, a waste of my time to go and they're not getting anything done. Well, that's who you are. <laughs> you you're are. To know right. these, you're building the relationship. They want to know who you are first before they do business with you, and that will take time. And that's very different to, uh, from a corporate model to an indigenous model. Mm. Yeah, um, And yeah, it does cause um, debate amongst me and some of my colleagues um, around those kind of issues. Yeah, so I guess with me it's much more of a, of a different level and it's a level that's sort of suited or appropriate to the mediation process where we generally have a certain amount of time that we're meeting for and we try and kind of keep to that and this part of 
that process is kept to a, a sort of minimal level really and it's just um, you know that first introductory part of it and I think generally people wouldn't see it as um, strange or odd and it's and it probably is depending on the way that you introduce it as well and as I say I don't say now we're going to right right some we're not going to that you'd call it that but um, yeah now it, you know this this first part of the mediation is, and I don't always do that either um, it depends on the group of people and um, and we do and you know as, as you would as well we're quite flexible with our process in terms of the, who the participants are and obviously right, if yeah. we have Māori participants or if the issue in itself is um, something that's a, a cultural issue then the, then our whole process kind of um, ideally is able to encompass the, the people's cultural identity that, that come to, to, the, to the mediation so for for example you know I've done some mediations where they've actually been on marae which is the traditional meeting place and followed a much uh, you know it's more specific Māori process but which then kind of moves <coughs> into the mediation and um, as Pirelli sort of has been saying the mediation process itself sort of does reflect quite a, a lot of sort of Māori process in, in some ways and that, that whole um, idea of getting together to talk face to face about issues is, is quite a big part of Māori culture really um, an important part of of dealing with issues is having yeah. a hui, having a meeting so um, yeah we've been talking about the uh, being able to sort of create a quite a new, new, unique New Zealand model of mediation. Well, it's also I think acknowledging that we have a saying called kanohi kite kanohi in New Zealand, which just means face to face, or you know, you can see the eyes of the other person when you when you meet mm. rather than doing it over the phone. And I think what that shows is when you are when you have a relationship with a person. Um, and you can sit down in a room with them face to face, you'll probably get a better outcome if you have a sense of trust and you can spend time talking through the issues um, versus the extreme case where you sit on the other side of the table and you get your lawyers to do the, or, or kind of mediators in the sense to do the talking for you. So it's really important. I think we value being able to come together, um, spend time getting to know each other. If you understand the other person, and where they come from and the context around why they do what they do, you're probably better, better equipped to be able to deal with any conflict or or, um, or mediation process in a sense um, because I think everyone is, is better informed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, this is, would not be true of every mediation here in the States. Uh, it's it, Particularly in the work that I do, I will often uh, break bread, have a meal with uh, my clients beforehand. Um, and, and we don't, the, the, the sort of the one rule is we're not talking about the situation yet. We're talking about our lives and our children and where we come from and how we got into the line of work we do. We're, you know, many similar things to what you're discussing. And I do that in part because I've seen the power of um, building that relationship, building that trust, getting back, getting to a place of seeing our, each other 
beyond the conflict, all of the things that we've talked about and what you were just describing, Pereri. And there are some models here in the United States for managing conflict that, that use similar ideas. There's, um, there's a process designed many years ago uh, by – it started with two women in a small group in Boston – uh, around the time that there were a lot of abortion clinic bombings here in the United States, I think this was, would have probably have been the 80s, and these women realized that there had to be that the polarized issue had be, it was becoming violent because people had stopped really talking to people on the other side of the issue, and they designed a, pro, uh, a process that ultimately became known as a public conversation, um, and it's a very structured process, but it too starts with breaking bread, and it's bringing people together on very polarized issues um, to talk about them, not necessarily to resolve them, but to be able to talk about mm-hmm. them, to be able to express the doubts they have about their own positions, uh, to mm-hmm. be able to talk more richly about the impact on, on both ends of the spectrum on their lives. And uh, I've, I've had the good fortune to, to be part of a few public conversations leading a few events like those, and it, the power is, is palpable um, in and, much the and, way that you're and, describing. And it's also really effective in breaking down barriers and, um, and defend, you know, people are always walking into a situation like that very defensive. Um, yes, of we course. We have our, our whaka process here. We go through, everyone goes through the process, and then we stop, and then we go, and we, as you said, we break bread, and we make sure that that's that's. You know, we do that every time, so it removes you from the what we call the um, the formal environment into an informal environment. And it's in the informal environment when you're having a meal, where you're sharing a, a meal, that you can actually relax, feel um, a lot safer than you did when you arrive, and start to think about you know what's going to happen next. Mm. Um, I think that's really important to mm. take the time mm. to do that. Yeah, so, I mean, there's quite a strong distinction between the people who are at the place that you're coming to and the, and the visitors, the manuhiri, and that's quite significant at the beginning of, of a process. And then once you've had your whakawhanaungatanga and, had, and been, had your cup of tea and um, breaking bread, then actually you become one, as it's saying, that you actually are all from no longer, there's no longer that distinction. So that's quite mm. a thing. Yeah, the, um, the, the process, I think one of the processes around Whakapanaungatanga is that we kind of have an um, informal saying that when you arrive, you arrive as a visitor. Um, after you go through that process, um, you're now one of us. Um, so mm. that means you have access to our home, um, treat it as your own home, you know, feel comfortable to do that. Um, that's what the process actually does. It transforms them from being someone who's arrived into a strange place and brings them into the realm of safety and, and make, makes them feel like this is their own environment and they can feel comfortable in it. One of the things that I was thinking about with respect to this is something that's come up as an issue here in the States about uh, cultural appropriation or white appropriation, the idea that um, a dominant group exploiting something of, uh, of the non-dominant group's culture for their own privileged culture. So the place it comes up here in the U.S., particularly in the last couple of years where there have been so many, um, well, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, is that hip-hop, white hip-hop artists, for example, uh, culturally appropriating hip-hop 
uh, music that originated with blacks, but white hip-hop artists uh, appropriating that for their own and taking it over. And, um, and it's, it's an interesting debate to, to watch. I've not been part of that debate, but I've been sort of observing it from the edges. And it occurred to me as I was listening to the two of you and as I was thinking about this in anticipation of our conversation, does that even come up there as uh, Faka Fanona Tonga is used in, um, in places that, may, that aren't central to Maori culture? Um, well, I'll comment first, and then I'll, I'll see what Hillary's response is. But um, I think in New Zealand, it's, I think our situation here is very unique because we are such a multicultural and bicultural society. Um, my father's European, um, my mother's Māori, so I was brought up in a bicultural environment. Um, and we don't kind of, although we acknowledge, I acknowledge myself as being Māori, I also acknowledge all the other um, connections that I have as well. Um, and at the end of the day, we're all New Zealanders here, so we need to get along and, and, and work together. Um, and I think because of the Treaty of Waitangi, um, a lot more of those cultural elements have become um, business as usual for New Zealanders in general. So you will hear Māori words being spoken around, um, you know, in bars and cafes and restaurants. Um, you will hear New Zealand sports teams um, performing cultural um, you know, like the All Blacks rugby team here, they perform the, the haka, which is a, a traditional Māori war dance when they go and yes, play overseas. Yes. I'm familiar um, with So that. those cultural elements are, are kind of embedded in, in our national fabric anyway. Mm. Um, and I think the only uh, reservation I'd have is where a lot of the cultural knowledge is, is being uh, adopted or exploited for commercial reasons. Um, and you, you've seen a lot of that in New Zealand recently where um, uh, traditional practices and processes are trying to um, be used in ways that you Māori know, would probably think is inappropriate. Um, and that's why there's so much focus on making sure that as an Indigenous people we hold true to what we value as being important um, we understand the connections we have, not just to the people around us, but to the environment as well. Um, and we view the environment as, um, you know, we have, a, 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 I suppose, a family connection, a whānau connection to things within the environment, which not all people view. Um, so when I talk about my mountain, um, I have a, sure, a blood connection to that particular mountain through my ancestry which goes just not back to when we arrived in New Zealand, but further back to, um, you know, our ancestors, uh, which I suppose you would describe as demigods, um, and each of them mm. have a, um, uh, you know, a responsibility for um, human beings, but also um, things in the ocean and things in the forests, and all of those things are connected and interrelated. So, um, yeah, it's, it's important that that those things aren't, aren't taken advantage of for the right reasons. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, a, it's an important and ongoing conversation, really, and um, there's a real difference between appropriating new symbols or um, um, even designs and using them in a way that yeah, is for some commercial gain, for you know, which is completely taking away from the actual... 
um, where that symbol came from or what that design is all about. And um, I don't think in, say, my using this idea of whakawhanaungatanga within mediation is, is generally seen as an appropriation of something. It's actually just um, recognising the value and mm-hmm. I guess putting a name to it and um, utilising <coughs> it. And, but for, if I was to say set up my own mediation practice and say um, you're offering cultural uh, cultural mediation services. yeah and that mm. you know part of that is like Fanongatanga and I'll teach you about it or I don't know something along those lines then I'd probably get into a bit of trouble <laughs> and people would come and talk to me about it and, but that would be you know a conversation and and um, probably I'd learn quite a lot from that conversation and it, thankfully in New Zealand we are still sort of at or we are at that level where we're able to still discuss things and things do come up often, you know with I think it's more about designs and um, words and things that um, yeah as you say people have um, taken on as for their own commercial use and but yeah we still and I think it's, it's 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 basic respect. I mean, yeah. I'm 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 thrilled yeah. if Hillary can find a way to embed some of those concepts into her work. I mean, and I'll I'll be happy to help her find a way to do that because that makes me feel proud that that she wants to do that with um you know with with some of some of the Maori cultural processes that that I know. Um, but like she said, if she wanted to package it up as a product and and be seen as an expert in that, um, that would be a different experience me, entirely. Yeah. The, the, the risk would be that she's, she's going to be selling something which isn't authentic and yeah. um, that's mm-hmm. where you start mm-hmm. to see personally for me my cultural the culture that I hold important being um, used in the wrong way being eroded being taught to people in the wrong mm-hmm. way yeah. um, and that's, that's a, a personal attack on me and um, I guess that's mm-hmm. why I really wanted Pirelli to come along to this conversation is that yeah. I didn't want to kind of explaining something that isn't from my culture in a way, you know, that I might not have got it. I, you know, it's much better to come from Pirelli who's really steeped in, in it. And, and you said that right away when I asked you, oh, can I interview you about this? I would love to learn more. And you said, yes, but, you know, and, and you, you suggested Pereira right away. So that I, I'm, I'm very appreciative of that, particularly on top of the the way the conversation and that's my, um, went. That's basically my job. My job, Tammy, is to be is to be working with Hillary and, and other people on the commission to um, you know to, to make sure that that we do that right and we work together on those things. Mm, what a job! Hmm. And I mean that in a good way. Uh, I'm imagining uh, the um, the the amount of satisfaction you must get from being able to do that for your work. Yeah, it is. It's very, it's very, very rewarding to see um, not only uh, the work that I do, but to see Hillary, you know, ask me to come and, and sit down with her and, and do this podcast. Um, and we've spoken before, uh, in the last, you know, couple of days about this interview and um, and this conversation. And if she can take something away from this, then then for me, you know, that that's that's the rewarding thing. She's starting to yeah. um, take some of that on board and and be better informed about what these cultural processes are all about, what the intent of them are, and how they can be used in the workplace. Is there anything I haven't asked about Whakapanonatanga that uh, would be uh, important to have give you a chance to say? Um, 
I think. I mean, I think it's it's the only thing I would say is it's values based, and everyone has it. You know, everyone has the potential. It, it sits within everyone. We we have a saying in Maori tradition, I suppose, um, that uh, there's a little seed, or um, a little what we call a kākano, which is the Maori word for seed, which sits inside everyone, um, and it's value driven and it's values based. Uh, everyone has it. The trick is trying to water it and nurture it so that it can grow and develop and and um, and flourish. And I think in terms of whakawhanangatanga, it's about that. It's about valuing people, um, respecting people, and giving them the chance to um, to unlock their own inner potential so that they can um, be who they are, be happy with who they are, and um, and shine basically. Um, and, mm. that, and that's what the whole thing is all about: respecting people and valuing people. Um, and if you can do that and value and make people feel wanted, um, then you know they will come and sit down and they will be happy to talk through issues, problems, to have a conversation with you. And I think that's that, that that's what everyone wants is to is to have good relationships with others. Um, so and to I have our identities uh, honoured, right? Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And to be, you know, to feel um, important. Um, and the worst thing you can do is be in a situation where you feel um, just because someone's not doing that or acknowledging you, is that you feel le- less of a person than the person mm. that you're talking to. Mm. Right. I was feeling. Yeah. I, was, I thought you were going to say feeling invisible. Right. And uh, well, uh, and and that, but it's more around feeling like oh, um, you kind of you feel small. Um, mm. And the process of whakawhanangatanga is to try and make people stand up tall and be at equal footing regardless of their role, their, you know, their title, mm. their um, how people are perceived. Mm. It's all mm. about getting mm. people on an equal level. Um, and we do that by acknowledging their roots, their history, um, yeah. and making them feel that that's just as important as anyone else in the room. And that's really true, and actually that's a really good point too, just about that whole, that it's, it's, does it, you don't really talk about your title no. so much. You talk about... Where you come, as you say, where you come from, what your land, you know, the land is, the rivers, the mountains, all those in your family, and so whether you're the chief executive or the cleaner, mm. that really isn't. It's a very, it's um, a very tiny part of. That. And a very strong le- leveler. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and sure mm. really thought of that. Titles and job descriptions come and go, um, Tammy. That's but, right. You know, That's the right. Twenty-six generations that I that I. Um, can trace my genealogy back to will always remain mm, mm, and the mountain yeah. will always I hope will always be there mm-hmm. um, but those are the things that are enduring um, and those are the things that I think if we can define people through that aspect rather than mm. who they are in their, in sure. their workplace yeah. I think we change the dynamic yeah yeah I think we too I know and, and they're not only the things that are in, enduring they are at the end of the day at, on the last day of our lives those are the things that matter, you know, mm-hmm. and our, what we did for a living matters, but I suspect um, our title isn't on our minds uh, as no. much as uh, who we love, where we came from, what we care deeply about, uh, the, the, the work that we loved. Uh, those are the things that, that matter all the way through and up until the last breath. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's also understanding and then being clear on how we define success. Mm. I think is also important. I use the example of job titles and 
you know, um, people find success as being, oh, I've achieved, I've climbed the corporate ladder. Um, and I think more people are realising that when they get to the top, it's not as um, exciting as and, and amazing <laughs> as they, yeah. they thought it would be. Yeah. And there's a, there's a very, um, I think, for me in closing, uh, an analogy is that um, you know, lots of people spend years and years climbing the corporate ladder. They get, they become successful. They become wealthy and rich. And then when they're 65, um, they decide to retire and they go to a, they buy themselves a little beach house on the beach and they sit there and they and they retire close to the beach. And I had a friend of mine who said to me, actually, um, that's what I do now. I've done that all my life. I don't understand why people would work work there, um, you know, work 16-hour days just to end up where I am. <laughs> um, um, and this person, you know, was quite happy just li- just living off the land and then waking up in the morning, going fishing and catching fish and having that for breakfast. And um, I think that highlighted for me the the kind of dynamic between how we define success. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, anyway, it's been really uh, a pleasure talking to you about this, Tammy. Oh, yes. that goes two ways. I am so delighted uh, for you educating me. For you thinking deeply with me about this and, and the ways, the turns of phrases that you've used in describing this and even just the way you're thinking about the work that, not just conflict resolution work, but our, our way of being on the earth and in our lives um, uh, really resonated with me. So I'm, I'm really grateful for your time, Pereri and Hillary. Thank you so much. You're Thank welcome. Thank you, Timmy. Thanks for listening. For more conflict resolution guidance and inspiration, you can find over a thousand articles and my resolution resource center at lensky.com. That's L E, and is in negotiation, S K I.com.